2: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Hey, everybody. Today's edition of the Around the NFL podcast is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Join Rocket Mortgage in saying thank you to essential workers by posting a video to everyoneknowsahero.com. Everyoneknowsahero.com. Do it. Welcome to the show, Rocket Mortgage, and let's get to it. It's Monday football talk time.
1: The Around the NFL podcast have been overrun by their own children. Welcome to
3: another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a city filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey, hope everybody enjoyed the holiday weekend. Easter, Passover, everybody fly.
4: Very nice Sunday Easter in the Sessler household. Um, You know, a little bit different than the other uh, wall-to-wall, 24-7 um, exposure that I have with my family, nonstop, never-ending, don't-get-one-second-to-myself uh, scenario. It was quite peaceful and enjoyable.
3: <laughs> we fast-tracked. Uh, Jack is ha- doesn't have his own bike, or he didn't, and we were going to give give him one with the training wheels and everything for his birthday in August. But given the situation, fast track that. He got it from the Easter Bunny yesterday mm. morning. He was on fire. He he couldn't believe it, because um, uh, he was just talking about how he wanted a bike, and bang, Easter Bunny, you know, hits it out of the park. Uh, who's plugged in? The Easter Bunny. Who's who's a great <laughs> dad? The Easter Bunny, uh, and the mommy. Anyway, so I get to go driving around. I have a bike. I forgot about it. It was the one Mark, we come from such humble beginnings, Mark, with this company that I didn't even have a car when we started at the NFL. And I used to have to, uh, uh, ride my bike to get to work. Uh, that thing was in the back of the garage, brought it out, dusted it off, got the tarantulas off it, pumped up the, uh, the tires with some air and we're riding around the neighborhood and it feels good. It feels good to I be like out that. there.
4: I, yeah. I feel like that bike on um, my earlier memories of that, of that bike would be that we'd occasionally um, with the, when we were on the edit desk, go down to uh, the Irish times or we'd go down to jocks or dailies after work. And, you know, it would stretch on to seven or eight at night. And one night, Dan was singing um, karaoke <laughs> with a big black backpack and mm. then left into the middle of the night to drive his bike home. But, you know, he had a few, I would say, a few beers would be safe pops, to say and uh, I, you know, I, about 45 minutes later, I got a, a you know, I didn't know Emily's wife very well at all. And she texted me very concerned about Dan's whereabouts because he hadn't arrived back home yet. So I don't know what happened in the interim there, Dan, or if, if you were just lagging.
3: Uh, I think, yeah, I think I just wasn't in touch the way I needed to be on that night. And when I got back home, it was like, I was 16 again. And uh, the parents had caught mm-hmm. me coming home from a party. Now, and I, you know, that's funny. That's one thing that bonds us in our uh time mark i have i have gotten messages from your wife as well where is <laughs> yes, mark is he okay um yeah. i need your help that's, so i would i'd prefer we don't <laughs> dig too deep into the topic <laughs> not necessary <laughs> but it just goes to show we got each other's backs and that's a yes. good thing um all right guys and gal how are you ricky
1: doing well how are you guys
3: good you look uh fresh faced you did you get a nice relaxing weekend i did
1: yeah I felt good i can't believe it's already monday again though you know?
3: Yeah, the, on Friday we had the first around the NFL Twitter show from the bunker, and I thought it went really well. If you, and if you didn't check it out, um, you should because it essentially is us, you know, not being reined in by any of the the corporate giant. We were able to talk. Wes, you you could speak on this because I know you air that uh, frustration sometimes when we do some other stuff on network and whatnot. Uh, the Twitter show is very close, uh, almost an identical twin brother to the uh, audio show.
5: Yes, I felt like for the first time since we've been on like kind of a strictly run camera operation, we were allowed to approach it the same way we do the podcast, which is, you mm-hmm. know, we like to say we've got good chemistry, but that chemistry isn't there if everyone is on cue and scripted. That has to happen, it has to
3: flow uh naturally, organically. And and I felt like that happened on the Twitter show. And here's the good news. The show uh, is coming back uh every Friday through the draft. So make sure uh, you check it out on Friday and we'll, we'll be promoting that. And it's a uh, run by the NFL handles, tweeting it out. So that's got, that's the reach, Greg, that's the reach you're looking for on social.
2: <laughs> I'm the social uh, master. It's really all I care about these days. I'm just on the gram checking out IG, you know, and that's just, I
4: love those rap battles. Hey. You know, love the DJ. You're data. a constant presence on Instagram and maybe maybe to the point where I'd ask you to tone it down just a little bit. I'm like sometimes I'm like, hey Wes, off TikTok already, bro. <laughs> I've never been on
5: TikTok. I it wasn't until I think a month or two ago that I heard of TikTok.
3: Mm. Mark and I were way into Vine back in the day.
4: Oh was, well, yeah. we had a few, I like Vine. A few accounts that we tracked very closely, let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. Today's show. I'm excited. We got
3: Andrew Marchand coming on from the New York Post. He is the sports media uh, reporter slash watchdog. He has been taking us every step of the way through the machinations connected to this great uh, drama at ESPN with Monday Night Football. So we're going to talk to Andrew about what's going on with that booth. Who's going to be in it in 2020? Who's not in the booth and why aren't they Uh, looking forward to talking to Andrew uh, but before we do that, let us get caught up with some news. Every day now that I wake up that we're um, out
0: here at our house and uh, thinking about what's happening and what's going to happen, and I, it gets harder.
1: <laughs> it gets a little harder every day because um, I think less about myself than the people I care for. Oh, I'm sure. And um. um <laughs>
0: My hair. Um, well my hair. Was looking, I can't get like, my hair cut anyway. Just start self-cutting my hair, maybe. But
3: anyway. Uh, speaking of social media and Instagram, Mark, you've been way plugged in on Alec Baldwin's ongoing meltdown connected to COVID nineteen.
4: Yeah, I mean, again, it's another thing that I'm invested in because I think that you, Dan, are interested in it too because uh, it was another text that I sent unreplied to yesterday uh, to our group <laughs> where, and I get it, it's the middle of Easter morning, and I w- I found time to peruse um, Alec mm. Baldwin's rather sort of daily um, IGTV deep dive where he seems to be, he claims to be in a bathroom. It looks like any bigger than any room in my house. Um, and he just goes on these dizzying, rants and like the one you heard he had a very um nice thought about the people around him and then he cannot help but fade into what seemed like an internal thought or two about his hair and uh (laughs) that's sort of the vibe of the overall uh production Mm. i enjoy them his ego is immense and um yeah he brings a lot to the table
2: that and like the blanket of depression if you just want to put what that is- over you,
4: if you want to just like
2: put that over you for the rest of the day. Like here's a Alec Baldwin's depression. He's trying to get rid of it to his viewers.
3: <laughs> I've said on the show in the past that I, I've always viewed Alec Baldwin as my celebrity spirit animal. And I'm rewatching 30 Rock right now and I, it all checks out. This, I think his behavior might be similar to what mine would be if I were extremely rich and had a big mansion and nothing to do. So I don't have any of those things. But if I did, I could see my behavior being very similar to current day Baldwin. All right. Let's get into it. Let's do some keep those Baldwin news drops coming because I feel like he speaks for all of us in a lot of ways. No doubt. All right. Christian McCaffrey got paid. This is um, Adam Schefter of ESPN had it. Uh, It is a Four year contract extension worth 16 million a year. So four for 64. I don't know if that is the actual value of the deal. Probably isn't, but he gets paid. And it's very interesting. The timing here, Greg, because as we all know, running backs that get paid typically haven't been working out. Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell. It goes on. Uh, and yet the Panthers decide after an offseason where we heard some whispers that they might even move McCaffrey instead, they lock him down. Your thoughts.
2: And there's no point making a comment on the money because the details are now. It's a four-year extension, which means he still has the year of his rookie deal still to tack onto that. But he's no average running back. Like great players. If you have a top five player at the position, it gives you an advantage. I don't care what position. You're playing. People are going to make all these opinions. Oh, $16 million a year. Let's see what the guaranteed money is. I suspect it's not like outrageous and that it's more like a two, maybe a three-year deal where you still have some of his rookie contract. Why not? He he is a huge uh, advantage in the passing game.
5: First thing I thought of was that little skit we did a couple years ago. Can Christian McCaffrey run through the uh, it, <laughs> run the through tackles. tackles or run up between the middle? The yeah, run between yeah. the yeah, well, he's answered that one, and I don't even know if that matters as much as it did 10 or 15 years ago, whether you can run between the tackles. He's the prototype for where the position is going in the future, where he's just like a rocked-up slot receiver who can also play running back, and uh, that probably will go great with the new head coach, Matt Rule, and his offense with Joe Brady there. So to me, he's the new face of the franchise. Luke Keekley's retired. Cam Newton is out of there, and
4: this is Christian McCaffrey's team. Yeah, I think it's interesting just to kind of monitor every transaction that comes out of Carolina because it's another puzzle piece and what Matt Rule, who I think is going to be a different thinking type of head coach, wants to do with this roster. And there were whispers um, about basically anyone being available in Carolina and that, you know, there was some little chatter that maybe even Christian McCaffrey could be moved. And this is a decisive um, slap down to that development. And it's, he's part of the, he's 23. I, I I get that you want you, these running back contracts are going to be looked at sideways, but he's not 26 or 27. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the deal.
3: Listeners may or may not be aware that Teddy Bridgewater averaged less than six air yards per attempt (laughs) last season, uh, in his time with the saints, which included a handful of starts. Well, you know, it helps when you have the best receiving running back in the league there for a guy that might might like to check it down a lot and keep it a little more conservative. So if you're a little nervous about Teddy and whether he's able to open it up on offense and and drive the ball and really move it off well, if he's going to be conservative by nature, he has the best guy possible as a kind of safety valve uh, in Christian McCaffrey.
2: He also might not be the quarterback and almost certainly won't be the quarterback by the time – Christian McCaffrey's contract is up. I mean, I, it still very much feels he'll like he'll be a the quarterback year. this year, though, right? He will be, but he might be battling, you know, Tua or Justin Herbert or mm. Love or who knows. I, I I think the Panthers are a reasonable uh, possibility to take a quarterback
3: early. All right. Another news: the NFL draft. We already know it's going to be a much different affair. We originally supposed to be, was be going to be filled with glitz and glamour in Las Vegas, all wiped away. Uh, by the dreaded COVID-19. Um, so what is it instead? We knew it was going to be a quote-unquote virtual affair. Head masks, headgear, mid-'90s Skinamax fair. No, a little bit different. It's going to be done in the homes of the various decision-makers across the league. Roger Goodell is going to be stationed in the basement, and I bet it's a nice basement, by the way. It's not like your basement, uh, in his Westchester County home outside of New York City, and it's going to be an ESPN and NFL network a joint affair uh, across both networks. So it's going to be different, uh, Mark Sessler, much different. And because of the nature and the limitations, ESPN and NFL are working together as opposed to having two separate broadcasts. They're going to combine the uh, telecast. I don't know if you remember this, Mark. Maybe you were a little older because you were a little older than me. But the cartoon All-Stars Against Drugs uh, in the early 90s, they simulcast a cartoon half-hour special or an hour-long special in about 1992 or so. and they I combined... personally
4: do not remember that, okay. but I,
3: it sounds like a nice show. Greg's in my age range, but I know he wasn't around in 1992. Um, <laughs> they combined all the top cartoon stars of the day into one show and then told everybody not to smoke um, weed, basically. The Laugh, like you the Laugh Olympics. like You're talking
2: about the Laugh-Olympics?
4: Not the
3: Laugh-Olympics. That's Olympics. different. Uh, it's I feel like they're an all-stars to the rescue, I think. Dan, I, I like think if anything, their message was
4: largely ignored by most of the country. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> the Really
5: Rottens were on board with that message, Greg. Yeah, the Laugh-Olympics was great. I was a big fan.
3: Anyway, we're all whiffing on our pop culture references right now, but let's <laughs> just say that uh, it is going to look and sound a lot different. Uh, the NFL announced those details, so get ready, people.
2: It's just amazing it's happening. I mean, the NFL is lucky how the whole schedule played out. And people were upset that they did free agency at the time. And I know we're only a month removed, not even. I think it makes sense now in retrospect cause who, because no one knows when, when anything is going to be close to back to normal. And now the NFL draft is literally the only meaningful sporty event, I guess outside of WrestleMania, if you want to count that. But that's entertainment. Uh, that's going to take place for a matter of three or four months. And, and you know, it's given people something to look forward to. We're, we're only 10 days away.
4: And no reason you can't do. I mean, the draft essentially has been a remote operation for 32 teams. Uh, anyways, you go to you, when we used to go to Radio City Music Hall, there'd be like two jabronis from each club sitting there with a phone, taking a phone call from the war room. So I, it should go off without a hitch mostly. I, I mean, I, I feel bad a little bit for some of the people that spent like a guy like Charles Davis, who spent, you know, a year studying prospects and is no longer part of the production, but that's just the cost of trying to mash two uh, groups together. Uh,
5: I like the idea that all these GMs have one IT person in their houses, <laughs> in their home.
3: Bless and... you, Rick. You're <laughs> muted. <laughs> you know, we, on our professional, professional. Eric, uh, how about this? You know, during the live Twitter show, we got a dog barking coming from our producer's apartment. And now we have a live, you know, an on-air sneeze. There is I guess I was muted. And so I clicked
1: it. I clicked it, but I unmuted myself. So nailed
3: it. You should
5: probably be tested.
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Uh, Go ahead, Wes. Finish that point. Sorry.
5: I like the idea that all these GMs have an IT person in their house. And I'm reading in Peter King's column about... Thomas Dimitro is making sure this guy only uses the side exit. Is in no other rooms of the house. <laughs> they're treating them like it's an espionage. Like they, they, they're in undercover. These IT guys just put them in in like um, hazmat
3: suits. The, uh, yeah, you know they're not going to be allowed
5: down. to see anything.
3: Yeah, all head to tail yellow with the big, the big headpiece and the mask, the plastic mask in the front. Just go for it.
5: And and I
2: get <laughs> yeah blindfold. I get people are all worried about like the cameras and how the production's going to be or whatever, but. Like every pick has always been made, as Mark said, by telephone. Anyways, if if they want to call, it's not like they were doing it on Slack in the past. It's like Thomas Dimitrov will call Bill Belichick, and they'll work out a trade. Like what? Is, it really isn't that different than than it is normally.
4: I will um, be tracking one thing. I mean, if you're Goodell, you know that you're going to get highly, uh, you know, scrutinized for the backgrounds. Like we've all got these backgrounds behind us, and if you're in your Goodell basement. What's it going to look like? Is he going to go out of his way to remove maybe um extremely expensive vases and things that people would that would get on people's radar, or like an old like Rush concert poster? Sure, anything that might <laughs> have people turn <laughs> sideways. I just I want to know the process. I I, I have to say this. I mean we've
3: worked at NFL Network for a long time and it's a bummer from the vantage point of we have all these great people that put together the draft coverage and can execute it from the research team to our on air talent people. That's going to be different this year, but as a purely as a fan, it will be kind of a interesting show to watch just how it unfolds and kind of the mystery of what can happen, what can go wrong. That kind of end of it is something that will make it a little bit more intriguing than other drafts.
2: Well, and more than that, it's a show to watch. It's a live show to watch. You know, I know like people are like watching NBA players play horse from their basement, but there, there's like a level of desperation there. that that I'm not not ready for like, this is an actual
3: big time live television event. That's actually going to happen, which is nice. All right. In other news, uh, as happens every time, every time around this year, the competition committee um, works together on potential rule changes. So each team has the opportunity to make proposals that they send to the competition committee, and then the committee works together on whether or not to implement that rule into the uh, the book for the new season. And uh, we can go through a few of them right now. One uh, that's kind of a, a highlight for me here is a potential. "Quote unquote Bill Belichick rule," Wes. I know you love this stuff. Uh, they could look to close a loophole uh, that Belichick first used against the Jets in that grisly Monday night blowout um, by New England in Week Six. I want to say where they took multiple procedure penalties in a row to just wind down clock mm. time uh, to to end that ugly affair. And then, <clears throat> ironically, what a game that was that was a great night. Yeah, I want to talk about my favorite game. Another great night was the Saturday night of the Wild Card playoffs when Mike Brable of the Titans used that against Belichick when it really counted and he needed those seconds uh, and used it against Bill, uh, his old protege. So uh, the league, that's one of the rule proposals to change that situation so you can't run off double the time on auto, uh, penalties you're committing on purpose. That seems like a no-brainer.
5: Well, it fails two rules. It fails the common sense rule. It should, it just, by common sense, it shouldn't be allowed in the game. And the second rule is the sport better for it or worse? The sport is worse for it. So take it out. Uh, it's no surprise that Belichick was looking for a loophole. His, his one idol in the NFL is Paul Brown, who spent most of his career thinking up new ways to get around rules, bend rules. I mean, that's the history of sports in this country, really. Hmm. Farewell time chewing loophole. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: Thank you. That's gone, but the, probably the biggest, news for me out of this was they didn't even the competition committee didn't even bring back the pass interference replay for a vote so it's just gone it was back for it was on for one year on the books it was a trial basis and they're not even going to have the owners vote on it when they meet again which is scheduled for uh
3: mid to late may it's just off the books i mean it's unofficial I guess, but that that is gone well, that was the one smart thing that they did when they when they instituted the rule was they gave themselves that out it was like it is not a, a forever rule. It's a one year trial run. And obviously it did not work out well. So I don't think anybody's really crying about that. Common sense wins again. Here's a few other ones yes, that are out there. Winning the Eagles, uh, they've made uh, quite a few proposals. Here's uh, they want to modify the blindside block rule to prevent unnecessary fouls, that, that popped up a couple times. And most notably, uh, Cody Ford uh, of the Bills was called for an illegal blindside block on a third and nine when the Bills had the ball in Texans territory in overtime of that crazy wild card game. Uh, the 15-yard penalty knocked the Bills out of field goal range, and uh, effectively that was their last best chance to win the game. So a lot of these times, same thing with the nickel Roby Coleman uh, non-PI, phantom PI call. Uh, that led to the PI rule. Sometimes it's a high visibility play in the playoffs that leads to these things. The Eagles also want to uh, make permanent the expansion of automatic replay reviews to include scoring plays and turnovers negated by a foul, as well as any successful or unsuccessful try attempt. Uh, they also want to, uh, we talked about the onside kick rule, uh, that the Eagles proposed that would allow a team who's trailing in the game an opportunity to maintain possession after scoring. For example, the team trailing could attempt a fourth and 15 from their own 25-yard line. Uh, we saw that used in the Pro Bowl. Uh, any thoughts on that stuff, guys? No. No. Philly <laughs> uh, would also uh, wants to bring back overtime as a 15-minute affair. Back in 2017, the owners approved shortening it down to 10 minutes, uh, but – uh, Philly saying it was better the old way. The Dolphins also propose an option for the defense uh, for the game uh, clocks to start on the referee's signal. The defense declines an offensive penalty that occurs late in either half. Uh, that is the Belichick rule, right? Is that what that is? The, no,
2: it's it's kind of like a close cousin to it. That Yeah that you're getting an advantage by having, having a penalty. I don't think that Eagles overtime rule, unless I'm crazy. I feel like the overtime rule is popular um, inside the league and out, and I feel like they're on an island there trying to go back to the old overtime. At least I hope they are.
3: And finally, the Ravens and Chargers have proposed to add a, quote, Booth umpire as an eighth-game official. Uh, to the officiating crew add a senior technology advisor. Seems like always good to have a senior technology advisor in modern times uh, to the referee to assist the officiating crew. So all those are up for vote. Uh, the owners meetings, which were supposed to happen uh, last month, are now pushed and scheduled for what, next month? There's Yeah, there's one scheduled for now.
2: May, you know, mid-May in Marina del Rey. We will see if that happens or if they try to do it by phone or, or what they decide to do.
3: All right. Uh, finally in the news. Yes. Uh, whenever, whenever a member of the graveyards comes off the roster, it's, you know, it's like that with a teacher. Uh, they could say all the kids are the same, but they're not all the same. Some, some you love and you, they stick with you. And for me, that was Roosevelt Nix, the fullback, Uh, the only fullback, in fact, on NFL.com's own website for top available free agents. It was just Roosevelt Nix under the fullback category. So I knew it was only a matter of time before uh, he went elsewhere. And he does go to the Indianapolis Colts on a one-year deal. So Rosie Nix,
4: I'd have to ask you. I mean, you're someone who's functioning high up in the. You're actually created the team. Does it change the way uh, you run your offense? You're, you're pulling a fullback out. If you have a fullback, it tells us something about your um, your playbook, but you he has gone. He's out.
3: Well, as I've said, that once a gray beard, always a graybeard, So it doesn't change this roster, but I, I guess it's just a little a ping of, oh, wow, he's, he's moving on in another way as well to a real team. So that's just the way it is. And, again, very different this offseason. Nix is one of the only guys on this entire roster of really quality players still without a job. What are these with a job? What are these guys going to sign? What's going to happen? I guess we got to wait for COVID nineteen to go away. A lot of big names still out. You'll
5: there. have to find. You have to find someone else to take those four imaginary fullback snaps away from your roster.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good, good, good for you, Rosie Nix. Get that, get that real money. That's mm. what's happening. In the news. Or is it? Do we have a little breaking news
2: here? Tom Pelissero reports the NFL and NFLPA have reached agreement that a voluntary offseason program, including some virtual training and virtual practices, is going to start in... uh, April twentieth, a couple weeks, but probably the key item here is that no team will be allowed to go back onto the field until all thirty-two facilities are able to be opened. So it's it's basically yeah, it's a good rule, but basically no one is allowed to to practice until all thirty-two states or or thirty-two teams rather are like back on the field. And
3: why is that notable? Name an area of the country that has not been hit hard by COVID nineteen. If that country, the area of the country has a football team there, they can't get a jump start while the Jets and Giants, as an example, are still completely, uh, you know, dealing with all the mayhem that COVID nineteen is presenting. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's I don't also, know what virtual training is. That that seems. Like I mean, a classroom baloney, but, stuff.
2: Like basically, they're yeah. doing the classroom stuff that they would do in the facility where they're meeting with their position coach and going over some playbook stuff.
4: It, yeah. it links the NFL um, into political circles as much as it's ever been, because you're going to have certain governors, I mean, for very good reasons, simply refusing to open anything up in certain states where others are going to push. And you're going to have there will be, you know, the NFL is not going to be able to control that at all. I think it's 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 a fascinating uh, time. And I just I, the idea that they're going to like open things up in a couple months to me seems does, does anyone feel that that's just wildly. Well, I don't think wildly
2: impossible right now. I don't think there's any expectation that anyone's practicing before training camp. So yes, they're they're not going to announce. And this is about the off-season program, to be clear. This is only about the OTA mini camp period. Uh, and yeah, to answer your question, Mark, I, it, it would be shocking if, um, to me, if if anyone is practicing any OTAs or mini camps.
5: If the NFLPA is like the rest of society, they're going to point out after this is over. See, we can virtually do all this stuff. We don't have to be. (laughs) We don't have to gather each April to do this.
3: Yep. Fair point. Fair point. Same thing about going into the office. Let's just you know.
4: Yep. (laughs) Exactly.
3: My my kids have to go back to day. You know, daycare. But that part
4: is essential. Get the kids. Yeah. Get back to to
2: school. The pod could could use. uh, Could use a little in person. uh, We could. We can stand to be together.
4: I I. I still. Adults stay out of pants. Kids go back to school. Yeah. Dan'll be in Westchester, New York, in six months if this continues. <laughs> um
3: all right. Let us move on all right. It's the man, really the the greatest journalist in the history of the around the NFL podcast. I feel like that's the way we got to step this up because we talk about almost every article that rolls out from. The New York Post sports media guy, Andrew Marchand. First of all, let's start right there. The New York Post, uh, Andrew Marchand. Now, I, I thought it was Marchand initially, and as a New York guy, for years thought it was Marchand. West piped in and said, no, he thought it would have been Marchand. He might have heard it. Please settle it right now on the Around the NFL podcast.
6: Well, I've, I know this. This has been a huge debate on the podcast. My brother, <laughs> Michael, he's a huge fan of your podcast, so he's been giving me the updates uh, of how to say our last name. My brother's. One of the, uh, he's like a George Steinbrenner fantasy football players. He'll, you know, outspend anybody. So he's been updating me. He keeps, he listens to you guys religiously. Like literally, he listens every week. So he knows every joke, sandwich jokes. He, he updated me. So I'm ready for this podcast. It's Marchand is how you say our last Oh, Marchand, no. And, and and. So I guess you're over for 4. Uh, you know, oh, I'll, I'll tell man. you the sandwich I want.
3: <laughs> that is <laughs> unbelievable. I don't even know. I'm like. I don't know. I'm flustered right now. That was somehow we still got it wrong. You know Man. what?
6: It really should be like March and it really should be SH. I'll give you that. The French <laughs> is Marchand. We have French cousins. So uh, if you said it like Marchand, I'll give you that. But people are getting it wrong forever.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, we have that fair enough settled at least. Uh, so, Andrew, um, like I said, we, There's one thing about, and your brother knows this, um, we are obsessed with the soap opera around Monday Night Football and what's going on in that booth, and your reporting has been stellar um, for a long time now. I mean, I feel like you've been ahead of the curve on this, and people are kind of following your reporting to find out what's going on. The latest, of course, was uh, Drew Brees, that ESPN had an eye on him for after his retirement, that he would slide in. Uh, to the booth, but it turns out, based on your reporting late last week, that he is in, actually going now to NBC after his retirement, maybe setting up with Notre Dame, getting some reps there, and then maybe replacing Chris Collinsworth down down the road. So, le- just in terms of an overview in the saga of Monday Night Football, what what has made this so interesting to you and something that is uh, important to report on in this media sphere? Uh, as you've gone along through the weeks and months of this?
6: Right, well, first of all, let me just correct you. Uh, none of this is important. <laughs> <laughs> and so, no, I, obviously, you guys like it a lot. I love it as well. Uh, you know, like, listen, when you look at Monday Night Football, it's been around for half a century, and that booth is one of the historic booths in the history of sports casting, which is a big deal. And, I mean, when people, you know, I'm joking about it not being important, but, you know, these – ESPN pays nearly $2 billion uh, to broadcast the games each season, uh, and these announcers make millions of dollars, and people have a lot of opinions on it. So it is interesting, especially to an audience like yours, football audience, uh, especially for Monday night, because even though the ESPN hasn't been getting the best games, uh, that booth is the most scrutinized, largely, I think, because if you look at, like, a Sunday afternoon, in your local market, a lot of times you like your, your local team, or you have red zone, or you have the Sunday package where you can watch your team. So you're focused on that. On Mondays, it's the end of the fantasy weekend. You might have that still in play. But then you're really into the game. And you maybe have a bet on it. But the announce- and then if it's a bad game, the announcers become more to the forefront. So I think for that reason, guys like Joe Tess and, and Booger McFarlane, uh, you know, they, there's a lot of pressure on that booth, even if the games aren't as big. So I think if you look at the history and the I think they really lack success Seth and the Boogermobile a couple of years ago it was one of the worst ideas mm. in the history of ideas. Um, and so, uh, you know, so that's what made it really a fascinating.
3: Story. And Peyton Manning was also a part of this. The, I th- my favorite twist so far, by the way, was Romo re ups with CBS and ESPN was hot for Romo, but CBS did what they had to do to keep him. They pivot at the dream Peyton Manning Al Michaels pairing. Uh, is what ESPN, according to reports, they had their eye on. They got turned down twice there, right? Like was, with the Al Michaels situation, was that ever something that was close to happening where he would jump ship from Sunday night football to, and jump networks from, uh, NBC to ESPN and this Peyton Manning thing. At what point does someone in your position, uh, Andrew, get to stop reporting about Peyton Manning being in the booth? Because Peyton Manning doesn't want to be in the booth.
6: Uh, it's a couple of things there. So. ESPN did think there was a path to Peyton and Al as a combination. Uh, I think the two, you know, Al Michaels likely wouldn't go to ESPN unless there was a marquee guy next to him. And Peyton Manning's about as big as you can get uh, in terms of uh, names and, and potentially, you know, developing to a a big booth. Uh, So the way it could have possibly worked is that, you know, Al only has two more years left on his contract. Mike Tirico's already signed there. You know, Al Michaels is a legend in the in the booth. He's going. He'll be seventy seven after these two years, which includes a Super Bowl two years from now. Uh, he doesn't have any uh, plans to retire. So, you know, could there be something worked out where he went to ESPN if they had the right analyst? I think that's possible. There's a history there. Of, you know, of course, he was at Monday Night Football forever. And then, as far as, far as Peyton Manning's concerned, yeah, you're one hundred percent right. Like until proven otherwise, he doesn't want to do it. Uh, the money. I don't think they offered him, from what I was told, money. Uh, but it was ten plus million dollars. And again, Peyton Manning doesn't have to do it. He's made more than a quarter billion on the field, and who knows how much off of it. So he doesn't need to to broadcast. And it is a time commitment for a guy like him. You know, for normal people, who work four months, five months, three days a week, you know, including travel, and then just doing three hour game. That's not a lot, but that disrupts his life. Uh, they can't really tell him who the play-by-play guy is. And you guys know, the Mannings want everything perfect. And so uh, it's hard to believe he's going to do it at any point, but he's only going to do it if hmm. it's the right thing. Like, exact everything's exactly lines up.
2: You reported on Breeze, ES- and I wonder, like, have ESPN, I mean, NBC or ESPN, when they were involved, been given any idea that it's just going to be one year until he's in the booth? Because Sean Payton kind of hinted maybe he's only – back for one year, but the contract's for two years, and it's almost like this broadcast deal almost makes it seem like they're announcing Drew Brees' retirement for Drew Brees.
6: Yeah, most people feel like it's going to be one year, and I saw what Sean Payton said, and that's what kind of TV execs think. But then, like you just said, he has a two-year contract. They do well, or he wants to play another year. I mean, I don't think there's anything um, precluding him from doing that. So I think this contract will be waiting for him, uh, whenever he retires from football. So um, it's interesting. I, I do think Drew was smart to make the deal now because, see, the thing is about Tony Romo that people maybe don't understand, that $180 million is a ridiculous sum. And however you look at it, even after I explain all this, you're going to say, yeah, that's a ridiculous sum. So I'm not trying to convince you. $180 million makes sense. But the reason <laughs> it happens is everything broke right for Tony Romo, especially the fact that, number one, CBS has a Super Bowl next year. So it's important to have your booth correct going to that. But more importantly, number two is, which I probably should have put number two, number one, if it's more important. But anyway, um, the, uh, more importantly <laughs> is that the NFL deals are up. And so uh, going into those contract negotiations, all these companies, uh, their television is built around the NFL. It's uh, you look at the top 50 programs, almost every single one of them our NFL games, and so they want to have the best chance to 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 uh, continue with the NFL. And so that's why Romo, everything went exactly right. I don't think people are going to be making $18 million. You know, will it go up a little bit? You know, Troy makes about six and a half to seven and a half. Will he get the 10 eventually? Maybe, but he's not getting 18. I, I
5: really, really doubt ESPN seems to be throwing some big numbers around at unproven guys. Do you sense this is more about the fact that they are not impressed with anybody currently analyzing games on Sundays, or is it more about just needing the big name?
6: Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer because I, I think when you look at the Romo negotiations, now they were prepared to offer him 140 million dollars uh, over ten years, which is a crazy amount. And obviously, they got uh, CBS had a higher offer at 180 million. For Manning, I don't. You know, I know there's a report saying that they were going to offer him 20 million. I that's from everything I reported upon. That's not true. That they were only going to go maybe twelve to fourteen. I say only, but that's still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. For Drew Brees, now you got to understand about the Breeze. ESPN could have had Drew Brees. He, they, his side presented ESPN with a contract offer that I believe was for ten plus million dollars, and they said no because Drew Brees is unproven. Um, and mm. so they were in the six and a half million dollar range. So they could have this um, wrapped up, but you know we're in the middle of pandemic. Uh, I just reported today. You know ESPN uh has some guys like Stephen A. Smith and and Scott Van Pelt, they're some of their highest earners. They've asked them to take 15% pay cuts for the next three months. And so you add all that up and uh you know they're gonna be they're gonna try to be smart about it. And I think when you look at it, yeah, it looks like ESPN has gone over four, but if you look at each circumstance you can understand why they didn't get each guy. The only guy you could say no they could have had him was Drew Brees. And again to me, yeah, Drew Brees um could be really good but he's never done it uh and you know i'm not sure I mean, i've talked to a lot of people in tv you know do the producers broadcasters and some think he'll be really good some aren't as sure i do think nbc has given them a good game plan do notre dame do the pregame show that's a big hand i put on the video you can't see it on the podcast but um, i just put it right in front of the camera here um is that uh you that it's it's a it's a nice ramp they've given them that he can improve with Notre Dame and then also do the pregame show and then possibly be ready to do Sunday night football and potentially a Super Bowl.
4: I was doing a little bit of homework on you, Andrew, and um, uh, not that you would remember this, but we crossed paths uh, briefly at Ithaca college in 1993 when I was there for three months at the park school. And um, that's journalism school, if you're wondering, and my lack of um, ability to stay there for more than three months definitely shows on, on this show itself, but uh, I would ask you this because, l- like, looking at what you've been through uh, in your own career, what, Dan would love this. You've had uh, minor run-ins with Don Imus, who called you a moron and a mental patient. You've uh, clashed <laughs> with Mike and the Mad Dog, and in uh, speaking of Al Michaels, I read that you were in a bit of a feud uh, with Al Michaels for a bit there. Yeah,
3: you're a man after uh, our own heart, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, those are all true. Although Al likes me now, I just it, it's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, there was a long time where Al really, apparently, not apparently, like we had a face-to-face, did not like me. I referred a lot about when he was going, when he first went to NBC, He the contract of Monday Night Football, he kind of backed out of, and then he wanted to pipe a private jet, yada, yada, yada. We're, Al and I are good, so we should keep it close. So anyways, recently I just did a, a big article about uh, the 40th anniversary of Do uh, You Believe Miracles? And Al was nice enough to give me an hour and 15 minutes of his time, and afterward, he sent me an email saying he's never gotten such a great reaction to a story. And his daughter was crying and I emailed him back. We've come a long way uh, so,
4: <laughs> um, back on the good list.
3: And then, you know, we yes, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that me being on this podcast and I think Mark, same thing. Mike and the Mad Dog were so important uh, growing up in the Northeast to us. It was I felt like um I don't know. I was torn in two directions when you were reporting on Francesca's failed app, and you were hitting all the beats on the reporting, and you were accurate in it. And then you were clearly hurting the big man, and you were you were taking him down. It was like watching Godzilla get shot down at the end of the movie. Um, so I want to commend you for the reporting on Francesca, uh, despite him getting upset. But also, it does hurt because Francesca was something of an idol growing up. Uh, mixed emotions on this side of the mic. <laughs> well,
6: you. You no, know, and I listened to Mike and Chris growing up too. You know, uh, my brother who I mentioned earlier was at college and my dad would be working. I'd come, you know, my mom and I would have dinner and I'd put WFAN on and we'd listen to it to the whole time. And then I'd say to my mom, Oh, nice conversation we had. Um, at the end, <laughs> so, uh, so Mike and Chris, and though the, the run and I had, I was a very young guy when that happened. I was like 24 and they got a, they basically had sandbagged me. Um, Kinda, it, it worked out. I really wish I had a tape of that. Honestly, that would have been I, because I think I held my own, but I, like I was a twenty three year old in the middle of like the New York Post newsroom, and they're like screaming at me, and I, pretty sure I kept my composure pretty well, but like someone like one of the women over from like the entertainment section, like came over, what are you doing? And then like there's guy Anthony Stabile, who's a big track guy, I was like, he's out with Mike and the Mad Dog, <laughs> so oh, uh, it was uh, that was fun. Uh, I think it's an honor, though. You know, I am is calling me a more on a mental patient. I mean, come on, that's is there a higher honor in radio than that?
3: I don't Pretty think good. so. Finally, before yeah. we say goodbye, uh, Andrew Marchand, Marchand, Mar uh, Marchand. Marchand,
6: There you go, Marchand. Yeah, Marchand. No, Marchand.
3: Okay. Um, how do you think yeah, this goes. ends up? Uh, week you know one.
6: You it doesn't
3: matter. It's, uh, <laughs> week one. Let's let's all hope and pray uh, that. Football and life is retor- returning to normal by September, and we're playing. What is the booth uh, for Monday Night Football when they have their first game, that doubleheader, customary doubleheader on the first uh, Monday of the season?
6: I'm gonna, yeah, I want to give you one booth, because that second booth, I mean, come on. Let the who knows. Yeah, forget about um, the second booth. <laughs> Maybe they'll bring back Greeny and Golik, because I'm sure you guys love that booth. Oh, that yeah. classes, or, or, Berman, or Berman doing
5: the play-by-play. Oh, Bottom. Oh, I- <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> there's another one actually. Chris Burma had a little run. I loved when I was a kid. Um, but uh, when I'm older it go as well. Anyway, I'm not a bad guy, I don't think. But um <laughs> I'll go with Steve Levy, Dan Orlovsky, and Lewis Riddick. I'd probably go just two man booth personally. I think they should keep it simple. I think you are getting the mistake of trying to break in a three man crew, especially on national TV with the scrutiny they have, and I think two is easier. Uh, That's what I would say. They're looking at Kurt Warner as well. Nate Burleson, uh, I think they're looking at, but I doubt CS would let him out of his deal. Uh, And I'm not sure. He wants to be like an entertainment guy. I don't know if he wants a job. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I'll go with.
3: All right. But I think they should one or the
6: other. I think you go Riddick or Olofsky. Yeah. What do you guys got? You guys, you know, you're in- we're just
4: following along with you, Andrew. We, like, we just, whatever you write, we believe. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I like the idea the of Lewis Riddick. Riddick. I also like hearing these weird like packages that they're the NBC or ESPN are maybe going for. And it's like a new package in 2022. And then and then, then just get with some wild boosts there. Just like throw anyone out there. Stephen A. Smith. Why not?
6: Oh, yeah. If it switches, we well, have yeah, it switches like network or CBS loses it. It goes someplace else or they only have one game. That would be fun. That'd be probably give you guys some fodder for me to report on and you guys to talk about.
3: I guess my one take then would be you, as you reported that they had a chance to counter and get breeze in their building, how much money, I know these are very strange times right now, but how much money the difference was compared to what ESPN is as this, you know, giant of the industry. Um, Just do the deal. That's what I'm thinking. And then you have your guy and you roll the dice and maybe you get a Romo, Romo S guy. But I understand the other side of two too, Wes. I think you disagree with me that maybe throwing a, just a ton of money at a completely unproven guy is a recipe for disaster. Well, I
5: was more like thrown off by Greg saying Stephen A. Smith, why not? How many why nots do you want? I could give you like eight. What? <laughs> Don't put Stephen A. Smith in a football booth, first of all. Don't put him in any booth ever, but definitely not football a sport, which he doesn't know and thinks Hunter Henry plays a totally different sport, is out of the league or whatever. Give me a break on Stephen, <laughs> Stephen A. Smith.
3: All right, Andrew yeah, Martin. Pretty entertaining, isn't that what it's all about? Entertainment at the end. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, get he writes for the New York Post, and he's been doing great reporting in this field, which we are fascinated by. His friends call him Clicker. That's interesting. And um, if you do follow him on Twitter, I just want to mention something. This coronavirus um, tragedy is touching everybody. It hit the New York Post in a in a terrible way over the weekend. Uh, with one of your great photographers, Anthony Causey, who passed away uh, and just tragic as a family. And I saw that you had pointed to a GoFundMe page to help support his family, uh, which is obviously a very good cause. Uh, sounds like a really sad moment for everybody. It was one of those guys, it seems like, Andrew, that uh, everybody loved, which makes it hurt even more.
6: Yeah, it's been a heartbreaking day for us. Uh, you know, it started late last night or early last night. And um yeah, Anthony, you know what? He's if you have that friend who kind of always makes you smile, always trying to um do something good, he was a photographer and uh not only with like celebrities like Derek Jeter, which he had great relationships with, but you know, we're hearing stories about so many people that, you know, there's one story about this these uh this couple that got engaged in Central Park and he was just walking in there, and picture of them, took their names down. I mean, that's special and he's much too young, 48 with two young children. Uh, so it's very sad. Um, and, you know, like everyone's telling, I'm sure you guys have been preaching this stay inside because, uh, you know, it, it. there are a lot of numbers out there. And when it doesn't hit home, but this one, obviously, for all of us really hits home, uh, even though New York and uh, the Tri-State area has been really hit hard. Uh, you know, this one for us has uh, been piercing so uh, I appreciate you doing that anybody out there who can contribute it's appreciated by everybody yeah um, head I'm over we'll we'll
3: retweet you. it from the around the NFL handle and you could uh check out Andrew if you want to spot there the GoFundMe link uh thank you for coming on Andrew it was great having you on and maybe uh, we could do this again uh, as as the world turns now that soap operas are drying up this is like the new one that I enjoy the most this is my <laughs> all my children and you're like the you're the script doctor behind the scenes in a lot of ways not that you're making up the stories <laughs> you're just digging them up
6: I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Maybe I'll make up a couple to make more interesting. All
3: right, cool. Say hi to your brother (laughs) for us. Andrew, Marchand. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. There he goes. Andrew Marchand. I'm just going to say his name quickly because I still don't really know it for sure. Um, Marchand. Marchand. There you go. (laughs) So uh, uh, that was interesting and enlightening. I'm excited to see what, what happens next in the booth. Uh, we have more guests coming up, by the way, later this week. I'm very excited about this. Kyle Brandt is making his Around the NFL podcast debut. The great Good Morning Football host. Uh, I think we all have a lot of respect uh, for Kyle. Uh, so he's going to come on the show, and uh, that will be fun. And we might even have another guest. It's going to be uh, a big week, another big week for the Around the NFL podcast in the bunkers. You guys excited?
4: Yeah, it feels like we should have maybe had Kyle Brandt on seven or eight times by now. So uh, mm. the box needs to be uh, thoroughly checked here.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. He's a busy man. He is. He's a very busy man. But uh, he's making and he, time for us. His,
5: his day usually starts before the COVID sheltering at what? Two in the morning our time or midnight our time?
3: Yeah, well, they've been, uh, they're, been they're still shut down. Good morning football. Uh, Right now. But yeah, he's one of that doing those morning shows is absurd. The hours. Is that what we want? Do we want a morning show one day? No, we should do a late night show. Right. What what would our choice be? Let's Uh shift
4: to 24 seven at this point. I mean, we were doing three episodes a couple of months ago. We're now doing five or six. Let's just go 24 seven. All right. When well, you you know if you have to step out and tend to a child for five minutes, that's fine. You just <laughs> the screen stays on. I don't think you should say that out loud. You just put the idea into the air.
3: <laughs> All right, this is Dan has signing off for the Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the old boss Rick Hollywood, uh, in her apartment on Tuesday.